All right, so I've got a question for you. Which computer is better? The laptop that I use to write my sermon or the phone that I use to look up the teleological argument this morning while Travis is preaching? Um, and that was very nearly the, the phone that I was reading this sermon off of when I almost left my printout at home. Objectively, it's the laptop, right? It's, it's, uh, it's more powerful. It has a bigger screen. I can run Photoshop on it. But I can't really use it to take photos at my kids' baseball games. Um, I can't use it for directions while I'm driving. I can't make a call for help if I'm stranded in the middle of nowhere. In reality, it's not that one is better than the other. It's actually that they're both really useful, and they can both serve my needs in different ways. And so tonight we're looking at Matthew 19, if you want to flip there. We're going to focus on Matthew 19, 12, where Jesus is responding to the Pharisees' questions about marriage. And both the Pharisees and the disciples have a poor understanding of marriage and a poor understanding of singleness, too. And Jesus' correction for them is that one state is not better than the other. They both have their purpose, and they can and should be useful to the kingdom of heaven. So let's read from Matthew 19, starting in verse 3. Some Pharisees approached him to test him. They asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife on any grounds? Haven't you read, he replied, that he who created them in the beginning made them male and female? And he also said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, man must not separate. Why then, they asked him, did Moses command us to give divorce papers and to send her away? He told them, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because of the hardness of your hearts. But it was not like that from the beginning. And I tell you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. His disciples said to him, If the relationship of a man with his wife is like this, it's better not to marry. But he told them, Not everyone can accept this saying, but only those it has been given to. For there are eunuchs who were born that way from their mother's womb. There are eunuchs who were made by men. And there are eunuchs who have made themselves that way because of the kingdom of heaven. Let anyone accept this who can. And so we are specifically going to focus in on that last verse there. And, <laughs> you know, after reading this passage, those Pharisees, they, they just don't learn, do they? They come up to Jesus again thinking that they're really clever. They're like, all right, we got him this time, boys. Uh, yes, I, I do kind of view them as like cartoon villains from, from the 80s where their, their plan is transparent and flawed. And Jesus' response is basically that their rules and exceptions exist because they were so foolish that more could not be expected of them. And what's fascinating is actually the exchange between Jesus and his disciples afterwards. The disciples' statement that it's better not to marry isn't some profound insight of what the holiest behavior is in response to what Jesus had said. It's, it's actually revealing that they thought the same way the Pharisees did about this topic. Clearly, their thought process is that a divorce is available if the marriage is difficult. 
But when Jesus says that divorce is to be avoided at all costs, suddenly they they think that marriage is unreasonably hard, which really shows you how ingrained this was in Jewish culture at the time. Is your marriage hard? No problem. Divorce available. No questions asked. It was like this easy eject button, and the disciples, on hearing that it's only meant to be used when the plane's about to crash and not just because you don't like the clouds on the horizon, their response is, whoa, hold on, that is, that's too hard. And Jesus' response is eloquent. It's loving, it's truthful, and it's correcting. He says that, yes, marriage is hard, but it's not that it's better not to marry. To some people, marriage has been given, and to some people, it hasn't. And to some people, singleness has been given, and to others, it hasn't. It's not that one is more holy or more pure, but it's actually that the kingdom of heaven was and is and should be the driving goal. So to be crystal clear, the the latter category um, about those who have made themselves eunuchs, that's not unique kids, it's eunuchs, ask your parents. Um, it's figurative language, likening voluntary, a voluntary life of celibacy to an enforced one. And um, this is hot on the heels of Matthew 18, too. So, you know, don't make some well-intentioned mistakes like those who have plucked out their eyes and cut off their hands. You can't read this as a how-to on living a more spiritual life. So, what's so great about being a spiritual eunuch? It's that it enables you to live in a way that is useful to the kingdom of heaven. And it it stands to reason that the compliment is actually also true. What's so great about being married? It's another way that you can be useful to the kingdom. And that really is the, the driving point of this passage. So, be useful for the kingdom. Be useful for the kingdom. So, what does a life that is useful for the kingdom of heaven actually look like? Well, the possibilities are relatively endless. And they aren't exactly perfectly unique to each situation. There are things that won't be impossible for for married people, but they'll certainly be easier for single people, and vice versa. Far and away, the most important thing in both categories is that you should be driven by the gospel. Do you want your singleness to be used for the kingdom of heaven? Well, first, you have to go to the truth of the gospel so that you overflow with the daily realization that you are sinful and cursed, that you deserve death. And apart from Jesus atoning death on the cross and rising victorious from the grave you would receive that spiritual death that you deserve. Do you want your marriage to be used for the kingdom of heaven? The starting point is still the same for you. So both avenues, single and married, can be steeped in holiness. And the source of that is a never-ending obsession with the truth of the gospel. So let's get practical. The, The quick one that people usually get to is, well, if you're single, then you have more time to study God's word. And you know what? It's true. It really is. But let's push beyond that because there's a lot more to it. I don't think we talk about this enough, but the world of missions is a lot more accessible when you're single. And sure, there are times where being married for one reason or another might make it easier to get into one mission field, 
But the, the truth is that if you're single, you have fewer obligations, and you can live a riskier life for the sake of the gospel. And I do, in fact, mean a riskier life. You can literally go into dangerous mission fields without being irresponsible towards children or a spouse that depends on you. I love the line in, um, in the Battle Hymn, The Republic, where it says, As he died to make men holy, let us die to make men free. That could be you. And I'm not saying that you should go out seeking martyrdom, but uh, you don't have to fear it, because Revelation 6 says it will be all right. So that is a way that you can use your singleness for the kingdom of heaven. And without even leaving home, how countercultural and profound is it to live a single life dedicated to the kingdom of heaven? When the world around you says that sex is the highest and best and most important thing that should define every, every detail of your life. From pop culture to politicians to media, everyone's pushing the message that whatever brings you the most sexual pleasure in life is the best thing that you can pursue. So how profound is it in the face of that to say, I have a higher and a greater and a better joy in Christ and the kingdom of heaven. Instead of being ruled by my body, I will rule my body and submit to heaven. Our current culture is relatively similar to Jewish culture at the time of this passage in that respect. It was, it was unheard of to be in your 30s and single. So for Jesus to be single was a very profound message that marriage was not actually the greatest pursuit. It wasn't even a necessity. And there is a similar opportunity to married couples as well. When your marriage follows the biblical blueprint, when you work through the difficulties of marriage, you are declaring that your immediate pleasure in life is not your greatest good. You get to hold out a healthy and biblical view of sex as a part of life, a gift from God to be enjoyed, but not to rule us. If God blesses you with children, biologically or otherwise, right, because we are hopefully caring for the orphans, you have a unique investment opportunity. You get to directly invest in future generations. And you get to do that in a way that a single person doesn't necessarily get to. You have a captive mission field where they pretty much have to hear you share the gospel daily and see it in action day in and day out. And Lord willing, with a lot of prayer, your children will follow. Every night before I go to bed, I, I sneak into my kids' room and I pray for them. I pray that they would believe the truth of the gospel and that they would cling to Jesus for their salvation. I pray that their lives would be used for the kingdom of heaven. And then finally, I pray for their children, and I pray for their children's children. I pray for generations that I will not meet in this body. And I get to send seeds of the gospel to them through my children. And friends, that is a spiritual investment that, that pays compounding interest. So what if you're single and you actually want to be married? That's okay. You don't desire something that's less holy it's okay to pray for a wife or for a husband. But the bigger thing is that while you are single, you should use your singleness for the kingdom of heaven. Be devoted to the Lord. 
And you absolutely have to start doing that now because if and when you are married, this is how you're going to be prepared to view the marriage with the same mindset and be devoted to the Lord in your marriage. So the thing that I want you to take away from this is that there is no end to what you can do for the kingdom of heaven as a single person. And there's no end to what you can do for the kingdom of heaven as a married person. The most important thing is that you use those states of life for the kingdom of heaven. Don't waste your time wishing that you were married. And the same goes for the married people. Don't don't waste your marriage pining for the single life or wishing that your husband or wife was different or dreaming of a different marriage or an easier marriage. Be useful for the kingdom now. Please pray with me. Father, I pray that, that we as a church would be useful for the kingdom, whether single or married. God, please make that the highest priority in our hearts. Help us to uphold biblical definitions of marriage and sexuality. And God, we pray that you would use that as a witness here in Providence. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.